Good afternoon, everyone. Fantastic. Thank you again. And now I'd like to welcome our uh, television and webcast viewers to today's program. Again, my name is Danny Asaf, President-elect of the Canadian Club of Toronto, and we thank our viewing audience for being with us this afternoon. Hopefully you've enjoyed your meal, you see, because healthcare is the topic today. We had a very healthy, nutritious meal, so I'd like to thank the King Edward for that and getting us off to a great start and uh, the great presentation and remarks that we're looking forward to from uh, Dr. Edward Brown. The Canadian Club has a long history as a leading current affairs podium in Canada, led by a volunteer board of directors. We are dedicated to encouraging an open and accessible debate on issues that matter to Toronto, to our province, and to our country. Through our young and youth leaders programs, civic action diversity city partnerships, accessibility commitments, as well as through our media partnerships and social media properties, we provide opportunities for Canadians around the world to engage with leading political, business, and public figures. Thank you for joining the conversation today. And before I formally introduce our speaker, I would like to take this opportunity to tell you about some of our upcoming events. On November 26, we'll be hosting uh, Michael Sabia, the President and CEO of the Case de Depot et Placement de Quebec. And also on December 18th, we have scheduled Mr. Frederick Odia, the Chairman and CEO of Societe Generale, discussing the European economic recovery, the ongoing and expanding role of the European Banking Union, and adapting the banking model to the 21st century. Very interesting events, and I hope you can join us for those as well. And for a full listing of the club's upcoming events, and to order tickets, which we hope you will, please visit our website at canadianclub.org. You can also join the conversation via Twitter and Instagram by following us at CDNCLUBTO, or by using that hashtag. Also, I would like to take this opportunity to thank today our generous sponsor, Cisco, for their support and for being with us today. Thank you very much. I would also like to take an opportunity to thank a group of students from De La Salle School, which was sponsored, their attendance was sponsored by Julie DeLorenzo. Thank you, students. And please stand so we can recognize you. Are you seated back there, the students from Del Sol? Wonderful, thank you very much. Now, it is my pleasure, ladies and gentlemen, on your behalf, uh, to introduce today's afternoon guest speakers. Ontario's health care system is something, obviously, near and dear to our hearts. Our health and the finances of our great province are intertwined in thinking of these innovative solutions for the future. And we think today how technology can be mobilized to make access more efficient, more effective, more accessible, and seamless to all Ontarians. And this is where the Ontario Telemedicine Network, OTN, comes in. Dr. Edward Brown, I've had the pleasure of getting to know him a little bit today, is someone that he was devoted to promoting the benefits of telemedicine as a way to improve our great province's healthcare system. He's one of the masterminds 
behind the system that uses this two-way video conferencing and diagnostic equipment to deliver care without regard to distance as a barrier. Dr. Brown, an OTN founder and currently its chief executive officer, has a deep knowledge of how modern technology can be used to bring patients and clinicians together. In addition, he's a former software developer who was a student in mathematics and engineering before receiving a medical degree at the University of Toronto. He's someone that truly knows the healthcare business and healthcare diagnostics as he was a physician himself. And from those days, healthcare diagnostics and delivery has changed a great deal from the early 90s when he was an emergency room physician with grand plans for delivering virtual healthcare. From these very simple beginnings, Ontario now has one of the largest and most integrated telemedicine networks in the world. I've read statistics that there were last year over 100,000 patient treatment episodes and in excess of 350,000 doctor training episodes using uh, OTN. With these thousands of, with thousands of video conferencing platforms, sites and facilities benefiting these tens of thousands of patients and we continue to see those numbers grow. For his insight and innovation and what he's brought to our province, Dr. Brown has received recognition for the impact of his work. For example, in 2010, he was named one of the 25 living transformational Canadians by a national media panel. Quite an accomplishment. He currently sits on the board of Ontario MD and is the president of the American Telemedicine Association, one of our own that's done great things south of the border. Dr. Brown, at this point, it's my pleasure to introduce you and to welcome you formally to the Canadian Club of Toronto's podium. Canada's podium of record is yours. Welcome. One more picture for you. So uh, thank you very much, Danny. Do you travel at all? Because uh, that's the best introduction I've ever had. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic. So it's, it's an absolute pleasure to be here today with so many friends and uh, colleagues and uh, partners that OTN works with. Uh, you're the folks that make it possible for me to be here and also possible for OTN uh, to do its work. Uh, I'm not going to thank all of you, but I would like to uh, thank the Canadian Club for, for hosting us and me. Uh, and certainly I'd like to thank Willa Black and uh, Cisco for, uh, for sponsoring this event. Uh, you know, to tell you the truth, uh, I was a little anxious about this because I looked at the website, you know, over the past uh, month when I was thinking about it, and there were some incredible and impressive people on the, that have appeared here. Winston Churchill, Amelia Earhart, Louise Arbor, hard to compare to that. Uh, but then I also noticed about four weeks ago there was a Toronto mayor's debate here, okay? <laughs> Uh, so I figure all I really have to do is stand here, tell a few tall tales, uh, and talk louder than you, right? So there you go, so I'm, and I'm, I'm good for that. Um, but what I'm actually here to talk about uh, is change and innovation, okay? So those are two words that you're gonna hear a lot today because what I'm talking about 
is reinventing our healthcare system. Really about a new system that says goodbye to fragmented care and hello to uh, care that is integrated and patient-centered. Uh, we actually have a shared vision in healthcare. Uh, we've heard it before. It's a healthcare system that provides the right care in the right place at the right time, a system that's sustainable. It's a vision that sadly has always feel just out of reach, like it was not really attainable, aspirational but not attainable. But really what I'm here to tell you today is that I think that vision is actually closer to reality than you might actually think. Technologically, getting to that vision is not gonna be dramatic, it's not gonna be rocket science, it's simply gonna be a system that integrates information technology into healthcare the way it's already been integrated into banking and retail and travel. What you already know how to do on the smartphone in your pocket will be a fundamental part of your healthcare. You will no longer be a passive recipient of healthcare system output. You'll be part of your connected healthcare team, a team that includes your healthcare providers and your family caregivers. Uh, as most of you know in this room, telemedicine really represents any technology that links patients to their providers and providers to each other and enables them to exchange information. With the rapid proliferation of these tools and the public's readiness to use them, we suddenly find ourselves on the verge of an enormous opportunity. A tipping point, if you will, from my perspective, because the vision of a patient-centered system suddenly feels practical and attainable. We've been handed a license to create a better system at a cost we can afford. Sounds good, but there's a bit of a catch in all this. Because to get there from here, we need to boldly go where healthcare has never been before. If you're a healthcare organization, you'll need a new business model. If you're a healthcare provider, you'll be working less in isolation and more collaboratively. If you're a government, you'll need new policy. Success will require fundamental change and realignment at every level of healthcare. But when we're done, all of that change will be worth it because I think our healthcare system will be more efficient. There'll be fewer errors. Care teams will have the technology to work together. More care will take place in the community than in hospital. People burdened with chronic disease will have the tools to manage in their own home. Uh, you may not know it, but we already have a program uh, that does something just like that in Ontario, and I'd like to tell you a bit about it. Uh, it's called OTN's Telehome Care Program. Uh, that's a collaborative program. Our partners are the Ministry of Health, Canada Health Infoway, and eight of the local health integration networks. Uh, basically, we've targeted patients with chronic lung disease, with congestive heart failure, uh, and we monitor their vital signs remotely, blood pressure, weight, pulse oxygen, and we track how they're feeling. A nurse monitors the data remotely, but most importantly, the nurse coaches each of these patients so they learn about their illness and they're motivated to make lifestyle changes and behavior changes. So, you know, telehome care can't cure these folks. They have a chronic disease and we can't cure the incurable, but it really helps patients with chronic disease live their best possible lives in their own homes and avoid hospitalization. So if you look at this, you know, without this kind of monitoring and education, these are patients who have relapses, they get very scared, they pick up the phone, they call 911, and they land in the emergency department. Amazingly, the data from our Lynn partners is showing a reduction of eMERGE visits of 50% in these patients, a reduction in the hospitalization rate 
of 50% in these patients. Uh, I don't think you're going to find a whole lot else out there across the healthcare system that has that kind of a dramatic impact on people's lives. You know, we talk a lot about patient-centered care in, in healthcare, and I can tell you this is the real deal. You know, I've talked to family physicians out there. Uh, they tell us that some of their patients are different people. They go from being scared and sickly to empowered and confident. It's patient-centered care. Uh, really so tangible that you can actually feel it in your gut. Uh, the great news is that consumers and patients out there are more than ready for this kind of care. We know that at least 75% of consumers want to connect with their healthcare providers electronically. And the majority of them, they already own their future telemedicine device. It's on their desk, it's in their pocket, or it might be in your purse right now. Uh, they're, already, they're already there, they're ready to go, and it's BYOD, bring your own device to healthcare. These trends have not gone unnoticed by industry, and most of you industry folks in here, I'm sure, are more than alert about this. Uh, the mobile health technology uh, industry is expected to be about a $15 billion industry in 2015, uh, but that number uh, actually, I think, is dwarfed by the impact that this technology is gonna have across the whole healthcare economy. And that's because uh, mobile health is actually enabling companies to deliver healthcare services in entirely new and innovative ways and to generate new revenue streams as a result. We already know that uh, many of the global tech giants are in the health space. We know about Google and Google Glass. We know about Cisco. Uh, we know about AT&T. Uh, most recently, we saw Apple and its health kit. Uh, but what is even more interesting is the vast array of consumer-oriented companies that are entering this space and looking to take advantage of the new tools to deliver healthcare directly to consumers. Companies you might not otherwise have thought of, like JP Morgan's and Walmart. Uh, last week I was even told that uh, Ford Motor Company is entering the space and they're developing a chronic disease app for use in their cars. Uh, so I'm wondering if we have to have a new law about, you know, hands-free chronic disease monitoring or something. <laughs> I don't know. Be interesting. Uh, so, you know, if we get it right, what will our healthcare system look like? So I want to look a little bit into the crystal ball and tell you what it might look like. So I think you'll be able to connect with your providers remotely. You'll be able to ask a question, schedule an appointment, request a prescription refill. You'll be able to deal with many of your health problems through an e-visit from the comfort of your home or office. You'll also find that rather than having one provider, you're gonna have a care team, even if you're well and you don't use them much. There'll be an online documented plan for you if you want it. It may include recommended dates for your next booster shot, your next checkup, any screening tests you should have in the years to come. It may inform you of education, games, or social media opportunities. You'll know how to connect with your healthcare team when you need them. If you're a parent, you'll probably buy something like the CellScope. Uh, it's a device that connects to your phone and allows you to send pictures of your kid's eardrum to your nurse practitioner. No more middle of the night emerge department visits for you young parents. If you're one of the 85% of Canadians who develop a chronic disease by the time they're 45, your care team will take on a much more active hands-on role using a shared care plan and e-visits. They may recommend an app for you. Uh, or a device that helps you to self-manage your care better. In the last couple of years, there's a lot of new monitoring devices that, that have become available. I've told you about you know, OTNs, devices that we use for pulse oxygen, uh, but there's many, many more low-cost devices 
that can broadcast your heart rhythm, they can send continuous blood sugar readings, or they can transmit your EEG, that's your brain waves, uh, across the internet. If you're pregnant, you can strap something around your stomach and uh, pair that with your phone and broadcast fetal movements out uh, to your obstetrician to keep track of that. There's even trackable smart pills available now, so there's no reason that your new iWatch can't remind you to uh, take your medication and then send out a signal once you've swallowed the pill. Now the challenge there, of course, is that your doctor will now know if you didn't finish your 10 days of antibiotics, <laughs> which I've never actually finished. Um, so, I mean, these devices, is, this is not science fiction, these are all devices available today on the market, uh, but there's even more coming, and a lot of exciting stuff. You know, right now, uh, there's a concept of nanosensors, uh, which are injected into your bloodstream to detect specific changes in your DNA, and then wirelessly signal those changes out to your smartphone. Uh, a fellow named Dr. Eric Topol, uh, he's a cardiologist and a futurist at Scripps University. Uh, he's developing a nanosensor that detects when a blood vessel cracks. So the DNA of the cracked vessel is released into your blood. That's the precursor to a possible heart attack. That can happen a couple of weeks before your heart attack. So the idea is that the nanosensor sends out an early warning signal uh, to your health team. They get you into the hospital. They intervene and actually prevent the heart attack from ever happening. I've also been told that uh, right now in California, there's a bunch of university students running around with nanosensors in their bloodstream that actually tweets out their blood sugar continuously to their phone, right? And that nanosensor is powered by the flow of their blood uh, moving through their body. There's lots of other work like this happening in cancer, uh, for immune problems, for stroke, uh, and of course, there's a whole bunch of things that none of us have dreamed of yet, uh, which somebody is working on somewhere in the lab uh, soon to come. So that's all very exciting, but having said all of this, I think that the simplest innovation is actually the most important. And that's really that every patient will have a care team and a plan. They will know what to do when they need help, and they'll be part of the planning along with their family caregivers. People will feel cared for, connected, and in control like they never have before. Uh, we have a name for that at OTN. We call that vision one patient, one team, one plan. Uh, so I guess the next question, of course, sounds great, but what's going to enable all of this to take place sooner rather than later? Besides the technology, which, as I've said, largely exists, uh, we need a totally different kind of innovation. And I'm calling it political will, okay? <laughs> because, to be frank, virtual healthcare is still a hard sell. Still a hard sell. That's because the existing healthcare system, here and in most places, not just us, uh, it's entrenched and it's very difficult to disrupt. You know, in healthcare, we usually think of innovation as a new treatment or a new test. In that regard, our progress has been amazing. I just saw a report a few weeks ago uh, about a paraplegic fellow in Poland uh, had uh, nerve cells transplanted from his nasal cavity into his spinal cord, and apparently he's walking again. So we're used to hearing about miracles like that. Uh, however, with the exception of maybe present company and some of the great pioneers in this room, uh, we have not been so good at innovation in business process and business models in healthcare. We don't change very much. Uh, for example, the healthcare industry is the very last industry to rely on the fax machine and the pager. Need I say more? Uh, but here's another example. 
We all know right now that the biggest challenge facing our healthcare system is chronic disease management. 5% of our population accounts for 66% of all of our spending. I think our healthcare budget was somewhere in the $45 billion, $48 billion range last year in Ontario. Imagine that two-thirds of that directly goes to about 5% of the population. And those are people mainly living with chronic disease. Uh, two of the most expensive illnesses are congestive heart failure and chronic lung disease. Those are exactly the two diseases that we serve through our telehome care program. Uh, we've seen that telehome care avoids uh, hospital costs. We know that patients love telehome care. Uh, it's actually free to eligible patients. So, you know, you could safely make the assumption that these telehome care devices would be flying off the shelves, you know, like an iPhone on opening day, right? Uh, but if that was your assumption, you'd be wrong. You'd be absolutely wrong. Because while the program is growing, uh, it's not expanding as fast as we think it should be. Uh, it turns out that our health system's really not set up in a way to easily support this kind of model of care. Uh, because for telemedicine to work, we're basically asking independent providers and organizations to work together on a new process, one without any particular policy or mandate to support it. The result really is like turning a cruise ship, right? It's sort of happening, but it's really gonna take a bit of time to turn that ship around. Uh, I'm here at the Canadian Club, and uh, all of you know that, uh, you know, as Canadians, we're extraordinarily proud of our healthcare system. Uh, we think it's one of the most important things that makes us different, that makes us unique. Uh, and truth be told, we do have a good system. Comparatively speaking, we're doing pretty well. Uh, but I think we are increasingly finding ourselves at a crossroads right now in terms of where we go next. Uh, we know a lot more. We know a lot more now in, in 2014 than we did you know, way back in the 1960s when we created our health insurance system, uh, a system that really uh, was focused on acute care, a system that paid for episodic visits to doctors and to hospitals. Now we know that chronic disease is not well served in that model and it's too costly in that model and there's a whole lot more chronic disease today than there was back in the 60s. That's why we need to move away from paying for inputs, such as the individual services, and start to pay for outputs, such as the quality of care. The importance there is that this will also liberate organizations, both in the public sector and the private sector, to innovate, to disrupt within our publicly funded system. Our system payer, that's our government, I don't know if there's anybody here from the government today, uh, but they've already started on this journey. Uh, it's, uh, they've given it a name, it's called the Transformation Agenda. Uh, we've been working on it for a decade. Uh, changes have included the introduction of local health integration networks, uh, family health teams, health links, excellent care for all act, uh, bundled payments to hospitals called quality-based procedures. Uh, actually all very good um, and important work uh, but I think it's time to pump it up and move it along even faster because really we need to start to move at the speed of the digital age. That said, there is some danger if we don't get it right. In fact, some real danger because uh, like power, technology can be used for good or for evil. Okay? Uh, it can usher in that new era of integrated care that I'm talking about, or we can just layer technology on top of what is already a fragmented system and accomplish nothing. Uh, about three weeks ago, uh, I was reading The Economist, 
uh, and they ran a really interesting article on the global acceleration of telemedicine. Uh, and I quote, they said, if you have a chaotic system and you add technology, you get a chaotic system with technology. Okay? <laughs> Uh, and then the article went on to say, you may even add to costs if it's added to old routines rather than replacing them, right? A very important sentiment. And I'm going to give you an example of that. Uh, the BC government uh, implemented physician fee-for-service billing codes for telemedicine. And their idea, of course, was to encourage teleservices for rural and underserviced communities. Uh, great idea. Um, and last year, there were a few uh, entrepreneurial organizations that introduced some very excellent technology that actually uh, provided direct-to-consumer telemedicine visits. Uh, a good number of physicians uh, started to offer the service. The patients really liked it. Uh, but it also led to an eight-fold increase in the number of such services billed. Uh, there were also a whole bunch of family physicians who complained bitterly about it. Uh, because for them, this was uh, a virtual walk-in clinic. It felt like it was not the holistic uh, primary care that they are trying to provide to their patients. So what happened was Health Minister Terry Lake ordered a sweeping review of telemedicine care in British Columbia because he feared unsustainable costs and fragmented care. So good technology, chaotic system. There's an example. Uh, but I'd like you to compare that to uh, uh, the way Kaiser Permanente did this in Northern California, uh, because they've been supporting e-visits since 2008. Uh, 7,000 doctors there, and in fact, last year in 2013, they had 10.5 million e-visits in Northern California. By the way, an e-visit includes secure messaging, the telephone, remember the telephone? Yeah, still good technology, uh, and video conferencing. Uh, they also, you know, they integrated this into their regular uh, care process, uh, so it was just part of their day. Uh, the patients loved it. 90% uh, of the physicians reported that they felt they were providing better quality of care through this technology. Uh, and Kaiser published an article earlier this year that said they expect uh, these virtual visits to actually exceed the number of in-person visits by 2016, right? That's the new health system. Uh, so I've learned a couple of things from these examples. Uh, the Kaiser experience showed me that virtual care can improve quality, uh, can be implemented in a sustainable way that doesn't fragment healthcare. Uh, both examples show us that physicians are more than willing. So physicians will adopt virtual care if it works for their practice workflow and their business model, uh, which is good news because that's what they're going to be doing. More than half their practice is going to be online in, at some unknown date in the future. Okay, so I've just given you a whole bunch of background, uh, and what I'd like to do is put all these pieces together. How do we put it all together? Uh, and that's actually the job of OTN. Uh, so, you know, at OTN, and we have a bunch of our staff here, hi OTN people, uh, we believe that telemedicine is the only way to achieve an equitable, effective, and sustainable healthcare system. Our job is to advance telemedicine solutions and to inspire adoption by healthcare providers, by organizations, and by the public. We actually work with thousands of organizations, thousands of individual providers across Ontario, and of course, many of you are here today. Thank you for that. Uh, our roots, uh, you know, we've been around for quite a while. Our roots are in improving access to care for people living in rural and underserviced areas. And I'd like to just maybe tell you a story uh, that can give you a, a sense or a feel for what that means. Uh, just one example, and I'm gonna tell you about 
uh, a 35-year-old mother. Her name is Brandy Engelsdorf, living in Shannonville, Ontario, uh, which is uh, just outside of Kingston, or actually outside of Belleville. Uh, so Brent, this is a true story. Uh, Brandy one day headed to the second floor of her home uh, to wake up her three children. When she reached the top of the stairs, in her words, the world turned sideways. She didn't know it at that moment, but she was having a major stroke. A 1.4 centimeter blood clot was blocking flow in her carotid artery, the main artery to her brain. Before she lost consciousness, she called her husband and asked her seven-year-old daughter to call 911. At Belleville General Hospital, uh, through OTN's telestroke program, doctors connected with David Gladstone. He's an expert stroke neurologist uh, here in Toronto at Sunnybrook Health Science Center. Uh, he examined her remotely by video conference. He looked at her brain scan images remotely, and he discussed the diagnosis and treatment with her husband. Uh, he actually decided that Brandy was a candidate for treatment with a clot-dissolving drug called TPA. The challenge with TPA and for emergency rooms is that the drug is a miracle uh, if you have a clot, but if the stroke is caused by a bleed, uh, that drug can actually kill you. It can cause major hemorrhage. It actually kill you. Uh, so the idea here is that telestroke brings the expertise of the stroke neurologist uh, to the bedside wherever the patient is uh, to give that drug as safely as possible. Uh, in, in Brandy's case, the drug worked brilliantly. Uh, it probably saved her life. She has now recovered fully uh, and in her words, is better than ever. Dr. Gladstone, he told us that telestroke has completely revolutionized stroke care delivery in Ontario. So, you know, that's a dramatic example uh, of the work that OTN does. Uh, I can tell you 390,000 more stories like that. I don't know if you have the time, uh, but, uh, you know, not quite as dramatic, most of them, but that's the number of patient consultations that OTN did last year, okay, over the course of last year. Um, and that turns out to be enough to avoid about 260 million kilometers of travel last year. That's enough to go to the moon and back about 338 times. Okay, so it's a lot of distance. Uh, in northern Ontario, telemedicine avoided about 146 million kilometers of travel. That was enough to help the government avoid $62 million in travel grants that they would have had to pay uh, for patients traveling in northern Ontario. Uh, and that turns out to be more than double, almost triple, what OTN's base funding is uh, that the government provides to us each year. So I figure if you could invest you know, in something that doubles your money every single year, you'd be calling your broker or maybe giving OTN more money or something like that. <laughs> but, uh, I didn't say that, did I? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, you know, over the years, uh, OTN has been busy adding new services that add value, both for rural and urban areas, uh, including telehome care, which I told you about, and e-consult. Uh, our flagship e-consult application has been teledermatology, and there's currently 2,800 uh, primary care physicians who are using that. Basically, they send a picture of a funny rash or a mole uh, off to a specialist, and they're getting a diagnosis back in less than five days, usually within one or two days. So if you've ever been to a dermatologist, you know that you may wait a week or a month or more for your appointment. Imagine now these patients are getting their care uh, in under five days. We're also using similar technology uh, for retinal screening, uh, and we're working under the leadership of Ontario MD right now to try to really expand e-consult across the province and uh, to add many more specialties to our list. Uh, 
So at the end of the day, for the patient, you know, telemedicine has meant convenience, it's meant reduced wait times, it's meant better care for our system, it's meant reduced cost. Right now, uh, OTN is working on expanding our telehome care program, and we've also developed a plan to make it as easy as possible for healthcare providers to use the best self-management apps and remote monitoring devices with their patients. A big part of this plan is a distribution strategy that will enable vendors to implement new business models that can scale quickly across our healthcare system. In other words, we're trying to really accelerate the innovation agenda in the province. Our work requires collaboration from across the spectrum of our healthcare partners and the vendor community, and I'm inviting all of you, I hope all of you will pitch in. We've got our new health minister, Dr. Eric Hoskins, uh, and really his mandate is to ensure that patients receive timely access to the most appropriate care in the most appropriate places. Well, I would tell him, and I will, that without telemedicine, there is no possible way to make this happen. But we also have to face the facts. In healthcare, we don't change fast, and everything is really stacked against disrupting the status quo. But right now, today, I would say the stars are aligning. We have a universally shared vision of an affordable, patient-centric system. We have the technology to do it like never before. The patients are ready. The entrepreneurs are knocking at the door. And if we can make it simple and practical through policy and new practice models, the providers will also pile in. Necessity and opportunity have arrived together. I think we actually can create a better way to deliver care. Thank you. Good afternoon, my name is Willa Black and I'm a director of the Canadian Club of Toronto. Dr. Brown, Ed, on behalf of the club, I'd like to extend our sincere thanks for being with us today. Cisco was one of the early supporters of OTN and I remember the very first time I met Ed, which was in a tiny closet in a room at Sunnybrook Hospital and the video unit was crammed up against the file cabinets. Um, but it was as clear then as it is today that Ed had the vision. He was relentless in all the best possible ways in bringing the right partners together to make his vision a reality. Ed, your dedication and passion for healthcare and the power of technology to transform it benefits us all in Ontario and across North America. Healthcare professionals and governments here in Canada and around the world are taking notes on the network's great work. It's fantastic to have a global trailblazer in our own backyard. And in your role as president of the American Telemedicine Association, it's also exciting to think that you're sharing and leveraging the tremendous work and breakthrough models in Canada to make the delivery of healthcare more efficient, impactful, and available across North America. We're indebted to you for your efforts to enhance healthcare access and quality using telemedicine as finally a mainstream option. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you very much, uh, Dr. Brown. You know, when you've, the topic of healthcare often comes up 
It has been uh, somewhat depressing, mainly because I'm not in the shape I was once in my 20s. And number two, when you look at the budget numbers, we wondered how we were all going to pay for it. So today really is uh, um, a, a unique experience for us to take something that we thought was an intractable problem and see a clear, a clear and real way path forward. And we thank you again. And now I would like to bring our, uh, our uh, event to a close. Thank you again. And uh, I would like to echo the sentiments of uh, Willa and her message to Dr. Brown. I'd also express our thanks again to our event sponsor, Cisco, whose generous support made today possible. Thank you again. And before I adjourn today's meeting, I would like to draw your attention briefly to an event survey on your tables and ask you to take an opportunity to fill that out. We're always looking for ways and ideas from our guests to improve our service and our experience, and we would welcome your comments. So that concludes our event, our program for today, and we'd like to thank eventsmedia.ca, Canada's online space for event promotion, distribution, and digital media content for live webcasting today's event. You can also visit the Canadian Club's website to download a webcast or podcast. And again, to learn more about our upcoming events, please visit us at www.canadianclub.org. And once again, I'd like to thank you all for joining us. This meeting is now adjourned. Have a great afternoon. <laughs>